0: he just
1: turns
0: over the tables he doesn't what's mm-hmm. all right guys we're back um we'll continue on with session two uh just a quick question from online uh pastor mike uh what are some of the similarities and differences in the letters to the exiles in jeremiah 29 and in first peter were the first peter exiles um jewish of jewish descent
1: okay so uh just quickly know because he uh what does he say uh, they were Verse 10 of chapter 2 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you wouldn't say that of Jews, because they were a people. Um, They were God's people. They had received mercy. So you would say that of Gentiles. Okay, so Lamentations. Um. Jewish and Christian tradition holds that Jeremiah is is the author of Lamentations. Um, although uh, sort of recently, more recently, like sort of last hundred years or so, there has been that, that has been challenged. Uh, it doesn't say that Jeremiah is the author, but um, I don't I don't it's one of those things where I think we can go with tradition. It's not a hill to die on, because if, mm. if the Lord had wanted us to know who wrote it, he would have told us. But I think it fits with, with Jeremiah as the weeping prophet, because mm. you can see in the very name that it's a lament. Mm. It's a cry of sorrow over what has happened. And what Lamentations is all about is, is the fall of Jerusalem in 586. Okay, so I'll just put it up again so it's ingrained. And there's someone who has witnessed the fall of Jerusalem.
2: Oh. Okay.
1: And Jerusalem is, uh, is is likened to, or Judah is likened to a dignified woman who has been taken and brutalized and raped um, and that's the image of um, the destruction that has come upon upon uh, Judah. But there is—it's not as though it's just out of the blue. There is the acknowledgement that Judah has been incredibly sinful, um, as we saw in in Jeremiah, their their evil behaviour. So the structure of the book is it it's five chapters, and four of the chapters. So put it this way. The first four chapters are in the form of an acrostic, so what that means is that um, each each line begins with a new letter of the alphabet. So, uh, well, not each line in this situation, the the two lines for each each um, each letter. So there's two lines for Aleph, two lines for Beit, two lines for Gimel, Daleth, so on, like that. So each of these two lines will begin with, if it was English, they would begin with an A, and then each of the two lines would begin with a B, each of the two lines begin with a C. Chapter 2 is the same, two lines, two lines, two lines. Chapter 3, each stanza has three lines. <coughs> There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, so there's 22 of these, and 22 of these. Here again, it's two, 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 two. Uh, where, where are these two lines, two lines, two lines? Okay, so... Um, Will we not see it in, like, English? Hmm. Uh, uh, okay. It's not as clear. Okay. Um, but... Um, So in chapter one, verse one is two lines, two two strokes or lines, and each, or two sentences, maybe you could put it that way, and each one begins with with a the, the in the Hebrew at least. Oh, okay. Begins with a Aleph. okay. Oh, okay. Not in the English. Okay. No, the English it isn't it's not like a in chapter two you can see the same thing, two lines again, each verse. When you go to chapter 3, you'll see that they've broken it down into three verses. So, you can see even in the break, there's like a little gap after verse 3, a little gap after verse 6, a little gap after yeah. verse 9. The NIV shows those gaps. Okay. So, chapter 3 has three lines, each beginning with Aleph and then... What Bible is This is the ESV. E- ESV, English Standard Version. Uh, Which one is yours? Uh, amplified is like all of the Okay, yeah. Yeah, Amplified is a... is a, is is, a, is, a, is not a word for word or... E- it's it's giving an ex, more of an explanation. Yeah, yeah. So it gives uh, uh, like a sentence with a bit more added to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I find it uh, quite helpful, the Amplified. Um... <clears throat> Okay, everyone understand what I'm saying here? So it was a, a, a mnemonic device, so a way to memorize. Okay? Mm. So Psalm 119 is the same. So if you were trying to memorize if every line began with, with A and then with B and C. It sort of helps you remember. But what's interesting is that the last chapter doesn't have it. So what's going on? The, the one one idea which I think is is the makes the most sense is that even in the breakdown of the structure he is symbol symbolically showing the breakdown of Judah and Jerusalem, the collapse of order, the collapse of beauty, the collapse of structure
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i I, I think that 's legitimate I think that 's um, makes sense. Okay. Now, already from this, you can see, though, that chapter three is different. Eh? It's got threes. And um, in Hebrew poetry, remember when we did the Psalms, I said to you that there's the chiastic structure. The, this is how it's spelt. Some people call it sandwich, sandwiches. Okay. So the sandwich no, the sandwich is a, a piece of bread, piece of bread, ham sort of in, in the middle, and so the 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 fancy bit's in the middle, okay, so the chiastic structure remember we said that the high point is in the middle, mm-hmm. so um, we're saying it's in chapter three, and it is actually in chapter three, and we'll we'll get there to the high point. And remember, if you were just listening to it, because it would—that's how it would come across. So I think I mentioned to you a lot of people see chiastic structure everywhere. They'll find it in the Gospels. They'll find it in like a quarter of one chapter of the Gospel. So you know they'll find it all over the place. And I'm not persuaded of that, just simply because if you—if it's spread out over thirty chapters, how on earth, in listening to it, are you going to pick up? <clears throat> Unless it's very obvious, like maybe with Leviticus, the Day of Atonement, in the middle, you're going to say, okay, that's probably the high point because it's quite distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way that if you were just listening, remember, that's, nobody, nobody had scrolls that they could take yeah. home, like, they're incredibly valuable. So you wouldn't just go home and study it and like, oh, I can see here's the, the middle. You, it was a, an oral culture. Yeah, you most were, people yeah, I couldn't even read, so... Well, amongst, amongst the Jews, there was quite a high literacy rate, because as God's people, they were taught to read. and it was not just guys.: I they
3: passed on to word of mouth.: Sorry. I thought they passed on from word of mouth.
1: But they were also taught to read and write. So it's one of the things wherever Christianity or, or and, and in the Old Testament Judaism is, education goes as well, the importance of reading and writing. And it was not just guys, also girls. Again, that was not done in other cultures, okay? Um, so um, the guys would stay at school for longer, and then you would have... Uh, they would learn sort of to memorize large parts of the Bible, and then you would have guys who would, like, go on further, you know? But but um, the the... Most most Jews could read and write. Okay, so, um, but they didn't have the Bible, so they couldn't go home and read it. So they would hear someone on on a Sabbath stand up and read. So in the in poetry, you you know you, you can hear. Okay, remember if it's in Hebrew, they would hear. Oh, it's beginning with a with the same letter. It's beginning with the same letter and then the next. They would pick up. Oh, it's an acrostic. Oh, it's an acrostic. Yeah, it's longer. What's happening? Where's it gone? Okay, you see, they they would. If you're listening to it, you you would be able to pick up those things. Um, okay, so again, we get the 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 pathos of the author. So let's say it's Jeremiah, that again, it's not someone who is cold and just enjoys smashing people in fact he doesn't want to he would rather die than keep doing what he's doing he in fact we didn't have time to go through it in Jeremiah but there are times where he he tries not to be a prophet okay (laughs) he's like I'm just going to keep quiet I don't want to say anything Mm. and then he says but it's like a fire in my bones and I, Mm. I can't and I have to but he doesn't he, again, you see, it's it's reluctant in a certain sense. He doesn't want to be proclaiming judgment, and he's not rejoicing in this. Okay, and here again, we see he's <clears throat> lamenting the brokenness um, uh, in a very beautiful way. Okay, um, but because of her sin. So look at chapter 1, verse 1. How lovely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become. She who was, a, who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. And the Lord said he would do that. He said he would, in Jeremiah's prophecies, he said that I will strip you naked I'll lift your skirt over your head so everyone can see your shame because of the way you've behaved. And all your lovers and all your friends will betray you and leave you because, of course, they're not true lovers. They're not true friends. Um, Verse 8, Jerusalem sinned grievously, therefore she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. Um, yeah, she took no thought of her future or her end. And that's always the thing with sin, is that we it's instant gratification. We stop thinking of long-term and the effects of sin and also of It's God's people, the hope that we have, the new heaven and new earth and our eternal home. Um, Okay, verse 16. For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, want to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. Um, but there's the acknowledgement that the Lord is right. So, very important, there is acknowledgement of sin. Okay. This is not, this is not, um, why has everything gone wrong and it's so unjust and so unfair. Yeah, this is not, it's not that. It's It's brokenness over what has happened, but, it's happened because God is righteous and we have we have not been faithful to him. Verse eighteen The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. Okay, so Verse 20, look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious in the street. The sword bereaves in the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is none to comfort me. All my enemies have heard my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. I'm just picking up portions so you just get a sense of it. Um, verse 11 of chapter 2. My eyes are spent with weeping. My stomach churns. My bile is poured out to the ground. He's vomiting because of the destruction of the daughter of my people, because infants and babies faint in the streets of the city. They cry to their mothers, where is bread and wine? As they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city. As their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. So you need to, this is this is proper, you know, a besieged city, because they were besieged. And this happens again in AD 70. And remember when we looked at the the end of Deuteronomy, the blessings and curses. And the curses, are consequences, the Lord said, is if you turn from me and you don't listen, um, you will end up eating your children, you will... You know, you'll become slaves, you'll die by the sword and famine and pestilence and terrific judgments. And that's exactly what happens here. So it's it's a guy walking through a ruined city, seeing people, bodies lying around, the stench of death, seeing little infants looking for food, but dying. He's vomiting as he sees this. Um, this is hardcore, okay? Uh, it, it's... Um So yeah I was listening to the audio of Jeremiah today. So I think we often forget I think it's quite helpful I mean to read all the Bible but there is God's grace but sin is so horrific we must never remember Paul says that grace is never a license for sin. This is what sin leads to, to destruction and death and sorrow and heartache and pain. Um, It is a liar. Satan is a liar and a thief and a robber and a murderer. Um, it It is horrific. Verse 20, he calls upon the Lord. He asks the Lord to look. Look, O Lord, and see. With whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat the fruit of their womb? The children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young woman and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned us as if to a festival day. My terrors on every side, and on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived. Those whom I held and raised, my enemy destroyed chapter three now is a a, an individual lament it's really about him what he's experiencing verse one i'm the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath he has driven and brought me into darkness without any light surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long he has made my flesh and my skin waste away he has broken my bones he has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy, though I call and cry for help. He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stone. And again, this is often the experience of God's people, not necessarily, you know, literally, where we go through. Uh, a siege city of a besieged city and experience these things but there are times when it does feel as though god is not there hey as though he has blocked the way um, uh, he has walled me about he's made my chains heavy he shuts out my prayer um, he is a bear lying in wait for me a lion in hiding he turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces he has made me desolate he bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. See, the, the idea of, the, sort of someone's face being pushed into the ground and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So but notice who, who who is he saying has done this? The Lord, huh? Eh? Mm. The Lord has done this, the Lord has done this. And he's a believer, okay? So but the Lord has taken him to a low place because the Lord does that at times, doesn't he? Um what are we gonna do when he does that? Verse 18, so I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. So, uh, I have no hope, I have no happiness. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Now, who fulfills this, who, who truly experienced this? Christ. Hey? Without, without any sort of exaggeration. Okay. Now look at what he does in verse 21. And this is, the, this is really the high point. This is the chiastic. And if I were reading it out aloud, well, I am actually. So, <laughs> you, you pick it up. Um, so we're in chapter 3. Already we know there's a difference. In the Hebrew we would know because there's three, three, three lines. It's, it's been... He's saying, Lord, you've done this to me. I've, I have no happiness. I have no hope. And then verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Okay. Um. He carries on then. He, he does call for repentance. Um, verse 49, my eyes flow without ceasing, without respite. Verse 52, I've been hunted like a bird. Um, chapter 4, verse 1, how the gold has grown dim, how the pure gold is changed. The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious stones of Zion. He goes back to the, um, the pain and the suffering. But you could tell him, I mean, just in hearing that, you know this passage. But this I, uh, I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end down you, every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, this is, where is he, where is he drawing that from? Do you remember those phrases? Sounds like songs yeah the psalms have this steadfast love of the lord his faithfulness the way the uh, Psalms says that uh, when david cries out in uh, hopelessness
3: and then all of a sudden in in the lord i hope and he is my fortress and he is my so, yeah, yeah so, so it almost sounds like
1: that definitely where does david get it from where it comes from earlier where does god tell us what he is like in the old testament
2: Moses also tells mm. about God that steadfast and that if you follow him, he's going to do all
1: these things. for mm. It's with Moses. Remember, Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. Mm. And he says, no, you can't see that, but I'll show you my goodness. He puts him in the cleft of the rock. Remember that? Mm. So mm. it's what, Exodus 34, where God God tells us what he is like. 34 verse 6 the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands So when I think we when, I, when we did Exodus I said this this is the high point of God's self-disclosure in the Old Testament. If you lived in the Old Testament period, and this is exactly what is happening here with Jeremiah and happens with the prophets and happens with David and the psalmists, is when you are in crisis, when everything is dark and bleak and hopeless, they would go back to, okay, but what what do I know about God? What is he like? When he told me what he was like, when he told us what he was like, where, where do I find that? And that's Exodus 34. God says, this is the type of God that I am. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, faithful, gracious. Steadfast love is repeated over and over. And that's what he does here. Notice what he does. But this I call to mind. So he has a lesson for all of us. So, you know, there, there will be seasons and they can be, all be different. It can be because of our sin, God chastens us. And it can feel like this. God sometimes uses a big stick. Gives us a big hiding. Other times it can be like Job, where it's just... So he's
3: actually not even feeling this. He's just recording what was said in uh, Exodus 34. That's
1: it. Mm-hmm. To try and kickstart their hope inside of oh, him. Yes. But then he goes back to lamenting. Well, no, I think it's the poetic structure. Oh, okay. Because it's it's he mustn't see it like that. It's not like... I'm just saying, like, uh, uh, he's... Um
3: like we should do in our darkest hour, uh, remind ourselves of what. And remember when, when we, when we remind ourselves of uh, um, what God is and how God is with us, it doesn't take root until we repeat it and repeat it and keep on telling ourselves. And eventually, it changes your uh, outlook. Your, your outlook in spirit. Yeah. From that uh, depression, it, it switches it over yes. into hope. But we can't just say it once, because then it's just words. And it's just we're just remembering words, like he's doing. Yeah. And yeah.
1: You have to meditate on it. yeah. yeah, that's yeah definitely. Are. excellent. So that's exactly yeah. it. so. In our in our periods of darkness, as I said, it can be chastening for our own sin. It can be, God in His sovereignty decides to to test us, and it feels dark. Um, in those moments, we must think, call to mind. Okay, but what is God like? Because obviously in those moments we think God has left me. God is, doesn't love. God doesn't care. God doesn't exist. Uh, a whole lot of things will go through our minds. But that's where faith comes in to say, okay, no, but what is God like? Now for us, the great self-disclosure of God is Jesus Christ. Now, So we look back to, to Christ and the gospel and Calvary say, God so loved the world, he gave his son. This is what Jesus did for me. This is what he was like. He, he laid down his life for me. He atoned for my sins. He conquered death and rose again. Remember what uh, Paul says, um, if he spared not his own son, how much more will he not freely give us all things? Okay? Do you think if he, if he destroyed his son for you, that he can't bring you through this dark period? Okay? You think after that, that's the greatest expense of all the death of Jesus, the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. Um, if he did that for us, do you think he's going to fumble uh, the things yeah.
0: that we go through? So, and so supposedly, Jeremiah, who's written this, or can't look back to Christ, but look back to what you were referring to in Moses and the rock. Yes. Uh, the character of God revealed in the Old Testament. Okay. That's right. Okay. But he also
3: acknowledges... And probably what we should be doing as well like, uh, uh, what's happening to me, I deserve. God but is righteous. Uh, the yeah. wheels are falling off, but I deserve this. Yes. But yeah. God is faithful, God is loving, God is forgiving. Forgiving. Yeah. But I do deserve what's happening to me right now. So. <clears throat>
1: God is just, yeah. yeah. We deserve the hiding. <laughs> no, no, but then a lot of people... Don't do that. Why they they like to
3: deserve this. Woe is me and how wise is that me to me? And it's like, it doesn't even... Yes. on them. that okay, but you've been doing this and this and this.
1: Yeah.
4: It's inevitable. Can I ask something as well? Um, so, at, from what I'm hearing, it's, it seems like it's also very important. Um, yes, at the end of the day, God's grace is there and it's, it's a gift and a privilege but um from what i'm hearing i think it's nice to hear it from the text is that having that sort of self-accountability is also very important as
1: well um am i correct or what What do you mean self-accountability like like yeah what, the discipline what, to that discipline to, to go, oh, like look I. Kind yes of deserve what critical. I'm critical okay that's where, that's where
3: repentance comes from right acknowledging yes the, okay deserve then, then you repent. If Maybe if uh God if, doesn't forgive unless you repent.
1: If Jeremiah yeah. hadn't been saying we deserve this because of our sins, so we'd have not, a big problem. Yeah.
4: Mm, okay. So it's not a bad thing to be a little bit hard on
1: yourself when you do sin. mean, you do No, no, They're, to take yeah. responsibility one hundred percent. There can be there can we can take it to a wrong level where yeah. where we still yeah. self obsessed. Okay, okay, mm. okay, okay, okay. So that's also dangerous where, where we are we, consumed by guilt yes and not coming to Christ you're not focusing on Christ you're still it's all about you okay Um and mm-hmm. then there can okay. also okay. there can also be a almost a, a weird form of pride I can't believe I did that you know well, uh, who do you think okay. you are like you're okay. you're a sinner okay you know if you say I can't believe I did that well <laughs> I you don't know a lot about human nature then yeah uh, don't grieve that you did do it mm-hmm. and repent and
4: so it's okay
1: so, so it's it's just finding
4: that balance so that self-accountability is important
1: very and, okay, critical so
4: why yeah <laughs> why don't a lot of churches I feel, I, I feel personally like a lot of churches don't
1: don't call people to repentance about that
4: accountability like it's still yes grace they they speak a lot about the grace which again is important i think it's i think it's obviously the the main sort of thing but again like from what we're reading it still seems like again having that accountability yeah it's like there's no consequence for the bad yeah 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 it's like god's grace will cover the bad exactly
2: but that's why The Bible says they say peace peace when there is no, no peace. peace. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So it's
1: it's in Jeremiah, like exactly what Julian said, that's what what the false prophets were saying. Remember it said itching ears. So where would you rather go? Would you rather go and hear a message that says you're fine, it's all grace, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. No commands, mm. no repentance. Basically just a stamp of so approval on so. the way that you live. Uh, just like a saint, like, like yeah. a blessing for your life. Um, I, you know, I'd rather hear that than well you're, you're sinful and, but then there must be grace but grace only makes sense if you're right. is magnified when I see my sin yeah. otherwise it's not really grace it's just free grace. Free living mm. free form mm. you know it's not hard to be nice to someone it's
3: who, so like if you murder someone it was by mistake or not and you're sorry for it God will forgive you but you're still going to prison yes mm. <laughs> <laughs> but God has forgiven any yes, love to he'll you. Yes, forgive you Yeah, you're still going to prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. You won't cry about that, yeah. because that's consequently. <clears> but you must still repent, like oh, you like said. It, yeah. um, so you, you still
1: have to yeah. to God, yeah, and but and i going to take the prison away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so, <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's good, Chris. Very good. Okay. Important. Um, thanks. Um, if so, what was I going to say? So. We're, we're learning a lot about <clears throat> these prophets and stuff like that and obviously the job that they that they had um, and I, I'd say more, more now, present day so <clears throat> if I'm comparing like a prophet and like a pastor or a preacher or whatever, like is a prophet a prophet seemed to sort of call people out on their and say, look, what you're doing is not godly, it's not something that God approves of. Is that something a pastor should also do, or is that a completely
1: different job? Okay, yeah, right, very good. Yeah. So... <clears throat> um,
0: sorry, uh, sorry Michael. are you going to distinguish the officers as well? No, so no, I they, don't they, think, they, we, have, I don't think we have time for that now. All, right. no. okay. All
1: okay. I want to say is that, so, uh, pastors are to preach God's word faithfully. Okay. So, when okay. it deals with sin, they must preach that. When it deals with grace, preach that. When it deals with uh, practical mm-hmm. things about okay. the church, they okay. must okay. preach okay. that. They can't pick and choose okay. what they want. They must, uh, Paul says, you know, I've declared the whole counsel of God to you, to you in Acts 20. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things is, the differences, I would argue, is the, um, is one of the differences is between the Old Covenant
4: mm-hmm.
1: and the New Covenant. Yeah, okay. So the children of the New Covenant are far more than the children of the Old Covenant, Paul tells us in Galatians. Okay. So the New Covenant is much more positive. Now, remember that a prophet was coming to a nation. Uh, Nation of Israel. Okay. The pastor comes to his local church. Okay. The people of Israel, how did, you, how did you get into the nation? Just born into it. Okay. It had nothing to do with regeneration, a new heart, knowing God. So when the prophets come to Israel, remember we saw with uh, Elijah, like there's just a remnant of 7,000 people so we, I mean what's the percentage of actual believers could be tiny so the majority of the people are in gross immorality and you can imagine the prophet is like
0: <laughs> wake up
1: when you come to a local church I don't you know you, it, if your church is in that condition where 90% of your members are unbelievers yeah. there's a serious problem okay mm. um but um, it should really be the other way if, if at all it's not to say that there aren't unbelievers, who are members of church so so definitely mm-hmm. um, and and of course, there's always unbelievers present mm. but it's not the same that's why you 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 you're not preaching to s- you bunch of pagans you oh, you're okay, you're okay, okay. There, there, there was a, a, there's a process. So first of all, a okay, person has okay. to believe and be baptized to come in. So you already have like... So the shepherd leads the flock. He feeds the flock. Mm. So there's already a restriction who can come in. It can't just be... Well, I like to join the club. I see. Okay. Well, no, but you, do okay. you believe? Do you know the gospel? Mm. What's your testimony? Okay. Have you been baptized? Okay. There's a way to get in. <laughs> so first of all, the gate is a bit narrower. Mm-hmm. Then, if if someone is uh, sinning grievously, there are there are processes. There's speaking to that person. There's bringing another person. If the person continues to be unrepentant, there's uh, excommunication. A person's removed. So you you keep this as pure as possible. Mm. So the problem comes, and I have I've seen pastors who 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 think they're Old Testament prophets. Mm. And of course, if, and they step up and they, they basically don't think anyone is saved in their church. And you get that sort of like, you know, the only people who are saved in this church is me and my family and I'm a bit worried about my wife. Uh, like, <laughs> it's like,
2: <laughs>
1: it's like, uh, and then they come from that angle and they mm. say, I'm just a faithful preacher. Well, you, you're just smashing the sheep. Mm. Like, Unless it's a false church and it's full of unbelievers, but then you've you, you, you you've done something wrong. Okay. So you these are these are believers most of them. You know, when I step up on a Sunday morning I'm not looking out like a oh, bunch of pagans or mm, they all need okay. to be converted. Okay. No, these are believers, majority, who are in different places, so the preaching should humble the proud but also encourage the faint hearted. So it's mm. in different places. But if a pastor veers away from preaching about sin and repentance, that's reneging on there
4: okay so it it can fall into prophet territory, but not
1: always in into proclamation, yes, with okay. alth- proclamation okay. with authority, yes okay, okay. but not in the, it's not the same covenant, it's not the same period, it's not the same okay. structure it is the new covenant which is much more positive uh. We we, we it's, we're not naive, but we can be positive. God is working. God saves people, and yeah, and he, mm. and he keeps his people. And so, if if we if we obey God's word, that the congregation should be majority
0: believers, mm. true believers. Uh, question from online. Yes. All right, uh, may I Please ask if you'd describe this as rightful lamenting. Is it sinful in any way? Uh, is it even right to lament in such a way? I'm reminded of Habakkuk, who was also lamenting. I do understand he acknowledges the Lord uh, that the Lord is good, and His mercy has never come to an end. But I'm asking more on the first parts of chapter two and three, especially uh, chapter two. Uh,
1: yes, yes, it's 100 uh, percent legitimate. This is, this is. God's inspired word, and this is the model from from Jeremiah. So, um, and I, and I understand where that's coming from because a lot of people, when they uh, I, I forget who it was, I don't know if it was Michael W. Smith or who it was, one of the, these Christian uh, songwriters in his church, you would always get his songs to be vetted by the elders, the pastors of the church. And he wrote a, a song, and the the one elder was like, "Sure, this is a bit heavy. You can't talk to God like this." And the, and he said, "I took this straight from the Psalms." Okay. Oops.
0: You
1: see, because God God is not like us. You know, we feel threatened, and mm. we have self esteem issues. And mm. if someone questions mm-hmm. us, we're like, "How dare you question?" But when you read the Psalms, and when you read Lamentations, you read Job, you can see that God wants us to come to Him. And when we feel like that, to be honest, it's no use pretending. You can see it. it. Can see it. Mm-hmm. It's no use pretending like that you're not angry and upset and confused and what's going on. Sorry. Um, but, well, I'm nearly finished. Oh, no,
3: fine.
1: <laughs> um he can see it. So be honest with him and bring the, the, your complaints to him, your petitions to him and pour out your heart to him and say, Lord, I don't know why you're doing this. Where are you? What's going on? Um, and, and, and then as you do that, that's actually an act of faith because you're talking to him. Um, remember with Job, Job is okay in the beginning, but he keeps on demanding to be heard. Okay. And Job pushes it too far. So Mm -hmm. there does come a time when, yeah, okay, that's enough. Okay. Okay. You need to trust me on this. So, but yeah, good question. So it is right, yeah. Bringing bringing these things to the Lord. The Lord, this is what you've done. Um, Please arise. The Psalms will often say, arise, Lord. Show yourself strong. Mm. Work, do. Okay. Okay, I see our time is up, but um, I think this is a great example. In those moments, call to mind, remember the truths about God and who he is and his character and his promises, and then allow that Mm to Remember, you can't change your emotions, you can only change what you think about and your actions. Okay, so here he's changing what he thinks about. Uh, Sorry, say that again. You can't change... You can't just change your emotions. You can't just say, I'm going to be happy today. It's not a switch. Yeah, it's not yeah. a switch. But you can change what you fill your mind with, mm. and you can change what you do, your actions. And then... Yeah, then so you can act different to what your emotion is feeling. Yes. And you can think different to the lies of, of the devil and... Um, yeah.
2: can, I, can I just ask something? Yes. So, with the workplace and sin thing, uh, the more you realize your sin... And you see how gracious he's been. Yes. It can be very depressing. I'm just speaking for myself. Nothing and not. there are moments when I doubt my salvation in the sense that how am I ever gonna get there to heaven?
1: With when when, when when you when think when of, of the, the yeah, Psalms,
2: it's blood. like David is so confident after all his sin and Sometimes when I read Mm. the Psalms, it's like I'm I'm saying to myself, no, that's wrong. You can't be so full of yourself, (laughs) yeah. you know. But yet the other part of me will say, but that is the point that God wants me at, you know.
1: Yes. And I just
2: sometimes wonder in in my walk with Him, am I ever just going to know for certain Mm. that I will see His face, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. So... It's what we call assurance of salvation, um, so God's people throughout history have battled with that assurance of salvation. Um, so what we what the confessions say is that assurance of salvation is not of the essence of salvation. So you are not saved by your assurance of salvation. Does that make sense? God is not saying you better know that you're saved, otherwise you're not saved. That's not how it works. Okay? Mm-hmm. Assurance is not what saves you. Because there are people who think they're wonderfully saved and they're going mm-hmm. to hell. There's people who are totally deceived. Like they they um so um Assurance, I would say, is something of a gift uh, at times. Um, and there are seasons when yeah, we, we doubt our salvation. Am I really saved? But again, in those moments, it is to remember God's promises of what, what does it mean to be saved? Um, do you trust in the Lord? John gives sort of some tests. Are you fighting sin? Do you care for God's people? Um, and so those are there too because in, in 1 John which we'll look at the the um, false teachers were causing people to doubt their salvation um, and so he, he gives a certain test if a person is not fighting sin and is just living in sin they shouldn't have assurance of salvation mm.
3: uh,
1: you know you shouldn't have assurance when you're living like the devil but if if I'm fighting sin, I fall, but I'm I'm fighting. I don't want this. I keep I'm looking for help. I'm, then, and and I'm trusting in God's promises, um, and, and then I can grow in confidence in Him. But it's it's a it's it's a it's a process of sanctification and growing, and it, everyone has a different road to walk.
3: I think if you've got that. They'd battle inside yourself with the stuff you're doing so if you know you're like I- i'm still doing this how can i call myself a Christian? i'm still doing that uh, if you've if, if, if you've got that fight in you against the stuff you are doing wrong then jesus is definitely inside you uh, uh lighting that up for you to show you you know what i mean like I'm, I'm, I, I, like personally, I'm, I'm very harsh around people, and I'm always putting my foot in my mouth, like because I say things too harshly and people get offended and they they get hurt, and you go away with your tail between your legs, like fucking why, am I, why do I still do this? Why am I not showing people love? Why am I not? Mm. But I, I, I. I, I, I I acknowledge Jesus as the Son. I, I, I know He's the Son. I know He died for my sins. I, I've, I've witnessed and felt His grace in my life. So, although I'm failing in so many things, it doesn't change the salvation part, because salvation doesn't come from our works. It comes from His blood over us. Purely. Only.
2: <laughs> but it's also, for me, it's also just... It's not even about sin. It's about by finding myself going into my past myself and trying to see how how does he forgive me for that. So it's not that you yes, it's, sin, it's, and it's just and then and then when I'm got a struggle and I have to pray for help, there's always this in my mind that says, what if he doesn't help? What if he? And then he answers a prayer and it's like I'm surprised, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like mm. when do I get beyond mm. that where I can accept that, that point where David's at. Yeah. It's like you're forgiven, you're loving. Mm. He, David says I'm upright, you know, but there's just always that, that doubt that he's not the yes. answer because you're not good enough.
1: Mm. Yeah, I... Remember that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to keep on throwing our sin in our faces, accusing us. And, um, you know, for each one of us will have different battles. And so that's, for you, that's a battle to believe that, God has forgiven um, so to believe the promise, if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me um, and and i I can't say that you will get over it because this might be the very thing that that the Lord uses to keep you on your knees, and we all have different things, different weaknesses um to keep us humble and you can sort of think well if sure I probably would pray a lot less if I didn't have that in my life (laughs) so um I I I would see it more like that that it's that it's the fight that you 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 may have till the Lord takes you home um and and that's okay because because he he knows us yes is, is would this be in the same um, is this
4: kind of struggle like I personally share it, but would it be in the same category as David's
1: um, saying my sin is continually before me or is that a, a different Sorry, my love? Can you switch the guess oh. my sin is con- oh, so I was saying is that the from same from Psalm fifty one?
4: Yeah, is that the same thing or is that is that different? Is that sort of pre pre confession yeah and then after that that wouldn't necessarily be applicable or
1: is that sort of like an
4: ever going
1: so we have the promises that our sins are dealt with as far as the east caste as far as the east is from the west and so God will never you know if if we've truly repented and confessed it he doesn't bring it up and throw it in our face Um so we, we have that from the Lord's side, but because of our our um, weakness and because of Satan, because uh, with the coming of Christ, He no longer accuses us before God. Remember, with Job, He's a He's and and um, the priest Joshua. Um, he 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 accuses. He used to accuse before before God. With the coming of Christ, he's, he's no longer able to do that. Um, but he comes to us now, and he accuses us. So we have this battle where our sins are brought up, our guilt is brought up, and of course he lies to us. So, um, But God doesn't, doesn't do that. If there's been repentance, he's promised to, to remember our sins no more. Hey, wins if we don't trust that God does forgive us.
3: If you lose hope, all he's trying to do is make you lose hope in the fact that God hasn't
1: forgiven you. Yeah, so it's to keep on with the, so to the have promises hope of God. In Christ
3: and, and yeah, just keep keep hoping and keep trusting that his promise of forgiveness is true.
1: Yeah. And to look at the example of David, so like you said, to mm. see that he, he he um God forgave him.
3: Um, He's a man after God's heart, and he took the stuff he did.
1: Okay, let me let me pray for us, but yeah, to to remember these God's character in in midst, in the midst of trials and difficulties.
3: Exodus <coughs> thirty-four.
1: Yeah, mm. let's pray. Father, thank you so much for his time in your word. Thank you for Jeremiah, Lord, uh, that young man that um, was afraid and experienced many really terrible things and saw many horrific things, and yet he uh, was one of the greatest prophets. You used him in such a powerful way, and he's a uh, type of you, Lord Jesus. Um, we thank you, Lord, that... Um, when people looked at you, Lord Jesus, they remembered the weeping prophet. You're a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You're not someone who doesn't know what it is to, to suffer and to, um, to weep. So you can empathize with us in our weakness, Lord, and we thank you so much for that. Pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. Uh, give us grace to remember your promises in the midst of difficulties, to remember your character, to remember the gospel. Um, We do pray, Lord, that you would keep giving us assurance of salvation, Lord. Um, Pray that you'd keep everyone safe who's traveling. Give us rest tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.